0: Postscript of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire. This is a LibriVox recording, or LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Editor The memoirs of Madame de la Tour du Pin were written from time to time with long interruptions. Commenced on the first day of January 1820, the last pages of the first part were not finished or put in final shape until about 20 years later. The second part was not begun until February 1843 and at the time of her death, ten years later, has been completed only to the month of March 1815. On the death of the author, the manuscript of the Journal d'une femme de Saint ans passed into the hands of her son, Emma Marquis de la Tour who had been born at Le Bouill, the 18th of October 1806, On his death at Fontainebleau, the 4th of March, 1867, he left the manuscript to his nephew Adelin, Comte de Liderkerk-Beaufort, who himself confided it a short time before his death to one of his sons, the Colonel Comte-Amar de Liderkerk-Beaufort, who published it at Paris in 1906. The book met with an immediate and well-deserved success from the preface to the original edition by the comte aimard de cerk beaufort With the Marquise de la Tour du Pin disappeared one of the last vestiges of the high society of the period before the Revolution, of which the traditions have today completely vanished. The reader of these memoirs cannot fail to appreciate the high qualities of heart and soul and mind shown by the author those who knew her both esteemed and loved her they united in saying that rarely was greater stability united to greater charms more constant fidelity to duty to greater kindliness endowed with a retentive memory which recalled in her conversation the varied recollections of so many different periods madame de la Tour Pin interested to the highest degree the thoughtful and serious-minded Thus she attracted to her the young, whose tastes she understood, and whose faults she excused. At the moment of the debarkation of Napoleon at the Golf Chouin, Monsieur de la Tour du Pin was at the capital of Austria, where he had been sent after the First Restoration, first as minister per interim, and then as one of the plenipotentiaries of France to the Congress of Vienna after having signed the famous declaration of the thirteenth of march eighteen fifteen which placed napoleon outside the law he went accompanied by monsieur de talleyrand to toulon to endeavour to hold Maréchal Massena, governor of that place in the service of the king and from there to marseilles to confer with the duc de Rivière. after this his mission was to rejoin in the south the duc d'angouleme Who had received from the king the order to go to Nîmes. But having learned at Marseille the news of the surrender of this prince at Pont-Saint-Esprit, after having taken, in concert with the Duc de Riviere, some indispensable measures, he chartered a vessel in order to go to Genoa, whence he expected to return to Vienna. The bad weather, or rather the ill-will of the captain of this vessel, forced him to go to Barcelona. From there, by way of Madrid, he proceeded to Lisbon, where he embarked for London. During the 24 hours that he remained in London, he had the honour of seeing the Duchesse d'Angoulême and put her in touch with the situation in France. The night following this interview, he left for Dover, passed over to Ostend and went to Ghent, where he joined Louis XVIII. After the Battle of Waterloo, Monsieur de Latour-du-Pin returned to Paris at the same time with the King. In the month of August following, he took part in the general elections as President of the Electoral College of the Department of the Somme. The 17th of the same month, he was named Peer of France by Louis 18th. As stated in the memoirs of his wife, M. de La Tour du Pin, while acting as one of the plenipotentiaries of France at the Congress of Vienna, had kept the post to which he had been appointed a short time before of Minister to the Low Countries. In October 1815, he went to Brussels to hand his credentials to the King, William I, and to be present at his coronation. Having returned to Paris a short time later to take his seat in the Chamber of Peers, Monsieur de La Tour du pin took part during the first days of December in the debates over the trial of Maréchal Ney. He voted in favour of his condemnation, but at the same time made a formal declaration in which he stated that he thought that the Maréchal was worthy of the clemency of the king. As is well known, the clemency of the king was not accorded. About the 1st of February, 1816, M. de La Tour du returned to The Hague to take up his duties as Minister Plenipotentiary to the Court of the Low Countries. In the month of September 1818, the Duc de Richelieu summoned M. de La Tour du to act as his assistant at the Congress of Aix-la-Chapelle, the object of which was to arrange the conditions for the evacuation of the French territory by the foreign troops. Immediately after the closing of this Congress, Monsieur de la Tour du Pain returned to his post at the Hague. At the end of the year 1819, he went again to Paris to take his seat in the Chamber of Peers at the opening of the session and was there at the time of the assassination of the Duc de Berry, the 13th of February, 1820. A little later in 1820, he was appointed ambassador at Turin and immediately joined his post, which he did not leave until the month of january eighteen thirty, except for a sojourn of four months at Rome in eighteen twenty four. In the month of january eighteen thirty, Monsieur de la Torupin decided to retire from public life, as he was worn out and also dissatisfied at the turn taken by events. He accordingly took up his residence at Versailles where he was living at the time of the revolution of July 1830. The 2nd of August, at 3 o'clock in the morning, he left Versailles and directed his steps towards Orléans, thinking that the king, in leaving by way of Rambouillet, would take this route to go to Tours. The following day, learning of the abdication of the king and of his departure for Cherbourg, M. la du resolved to proceed to his estate at Le Bouil, near saint andre de koubzac from there he addressed a letter to monsieur pasquier president of the chamber of peers in which he advised him that he was not willing to take the new oath of allegiance which was demanded of him because it was directly contrary to that which he had already taken to charles x this letter was laid before the chamber during the session of the twenty-first of august and appeared in the moniteur of the following day the events of the month of August had at the same time put an end to the mission with which M. de la Tour du Pen was charged in connection with the King of Sardinia. Free, therefore, from all engagements, he passed the end of the year 1830 quietly on his estate at the Bouil. During the course of the year 1831, his youngest son, Aymar, became involved in the movement in the Vendée, and was arrested and put in prison his father, not wishing to be separated from him, spent the four months of his detention with him. As soon as he was liberated in April 1832, Aymar again went to the Vendée to rejoin the Duchesse de Berry. The failure of this attempt is well known. After the arrest of Madame, Aymar was once more pursued, but he succeeded in finding refuge in the island of Jersey in the month of November 1832 during his absence he was condemned to death on account of his participation in the attempt of the duchesse de berry several of the newspapers having attacked his son in terms which appeared outrageous to monsieur de la tour du pin the latter came vigorously to the defence of his son in a letter which was published in the guienne as a result he was put on trial before the cour d'assises at bordeaux and the fifteenth of December 1832 was condemned to pay a fine of one thousand francs and to three months in prison. These three months, from the twentieth of December 1832, to the twentieth of March 1833, he was confined to the Fort du Ha in company with his wife, who refused to be separated from him. On leaving prison, Monsieur de la Tour du Pin settled at Nice, where his wife and son came to rejoin him. Having been compelled by political reasons to leave the city, he proceeded to Turin, and from there to Pignerol, where he resided until the 28th of August, 1834. At this time, urgent business interests recalled Monsieur and Madame de la Tour du Pin to France. Here they remained exactly one year, and then again left France with the plan of settling at Lausanne where they arrived towards the end of the month of november eighteen thirty five after a sojourn of several weeks at Suez. the twenty sixth of february eighteen thirty seven monsieur de la tour du pin died at lausanne at the age of seventy eight years the marquise de la tour du pin has recounted to us in her recollections all the notable events of the period of her life comprised between her childhood And the end of the month of March 1815. Her history from that time on was closely connected with that of her husband, whom she followed to The Hague and later to Turin. She also accompanied him to Italy and then to Switzerland in the voluntary exile which he imposed upon himself in order to share that of his son Aymar. And she was at the bedside of her husband at Lausanne at the moment of his death in February 1837. Some time afterwards, with her son Aimar, she left for Italy and took up her final residence at Pisa in Tuscany, where she died, the 2nd of April, 1853, at the age of 83 years. The Marquise de La Tour du Pin had six children: three sons, Umbert, Edward, and Aimar, and three daughters, Seraphine, Charlotte, and Cecile. Two of her children, Seraphine and Edward, died in infancy. In the interval between March 1815, the date at which the recollections end, and the 1st of January 1820, the date at which Madame de la Tour du Pain began to write her memoirs, she lost two other children, her eldest son, Amber, and her youngest daughter, Cécile. de la tour du pin was born at paris the nineteenth of may seventeen ninety during the last years of the empire he was sous-préfet at florence and later at Sens. at the time of the first restoration he was appointed officer in the corps of the mousquetaires noirs and became later aide-de-camp of maréchal victor duc de Bellune. he died under circumstances which were very sad and very dramatic at the time of his appointment to the military household of the Duc de Bellune, among the aides-de-camp of the Maréchal was the Commandant Malandin, an officer who had arisen from the ranks. He was rough and uneducated, but audacious and courageous, with an open and loyal heart, but very susceptible upon the point of honour. He had won every one of his grades upon the different fields of battle of the Empire. The very day that Humbert took up for the first time his service with the marechal, on entering the quarters of the aides de camp, he encountered the commandant Manondin. The latter addressed him in a vein of pleasantry regarding some unimportant detail of his uniform, but in terms which were coarse and unbecoming. Before Humbert could make any reply, the marechal entered upon a tour of inspection and while he was there gave the commandant a mission to the Minister of War. As soon as Humbert was able to leave, he went immediately to the hotel occupied by his family and entered the cabinet of his father. Here he recounted the incident without omitting any of the details, except that he stated that the person involved was not himself, but one of his friends. He then asked his father what his friend ought to do. His father replied, Challenge the aggressor, and if apologies are offered, refuse them. That evening, Humbert sent a challenge to Malendin. The meeting was arranged for the following morning in the Bois de Boulogne. The weapons selected were pistols, and the distance was 25 paces. The duel took place the following morning in a clearing in the Bois de Boulogne when the distance had been measured off and the adversaries had been placed in position before the signal had been given the commandant monondin gave a sign that he wished to speak and in a loud tone he pronounced these words monsieur de la Tourpin, in the presence of these gentlemen i think that i ought once more to declare to you that i regret my wretched pleasantry two good fellows ought not to kill each other for that Umber hesitated a moment and then walked slowly towards the commandant. All the assistants had a feeling of secret relief at seeing the favourable turn which the affair had taken. But when the young man arrived close to his adversary, instead of offering him his hand, he raised his arm and with the butt of his pistol struck Melendin on the forehead. ''Monsieur,'' he said, ''I think that now you will not refuse to fight.'' After such a scene, only one denouement was possible. The signal was given. Monsieur de la Tour du Pin fired first and missed. His adversary, the commandant, then fired in turn and shot Humbert through the heart. Cecile de la Tour du Pin was born the 13th of February 1800, under circumstances which have been related in the recollections at Wildershausen. A little city upon the borders of Hanover and of the Grand Duchy of Oldenburg. During the month of September 1816 at the Hague, where Monsieur de la Tour du Pin occupied the post of Minister Plenipotentiary of France to the Court of the Low Countries, she became the fiancee of Charles, Comte de Merci The latter at this time had served for ten years in the French army with great distinction. He had taken part in the campaigns of the empire and had gained particular renown at the battle of anno where he received the cross of the legion of honour shortly afterwards cecile had taken ill and in spite of every care continued to grow worse she was ordered by her physicians to go from the hague to nice in order to find a milder climate but she did not recover her health and died in that city the twentieth of march eighteen seventeen And was buried in the cemetery there. On the death of his fiancée, Comte Charles de Merciagenteau abandoned himself to despair. Renouncing his brilliant career in the army, he left the military service and entered into orders. He became the Archbishop of Tyre and died the 16th of November, 1879, at the age of 93 years. During their residence at Turin, which has been spoken of above, Monsieur and Madame de la Tour du Pin were once more called upon to endure a new sorrow. Charlotte, the only daughter who was still living, and who had married the 20th of April 1813 at Brussels, Comte Auguste de Lillecaire Beaufort, died at the Chateau Faublanc near Lausanne, the 1st of September 1822, at that time she was on her way from Turin to rejoin at Bern, her husband, who was at that time Minister of the Low Countries near the Helvetian Republic. Charlotte left two children, a son Adelin, born at Brussels, 11th of March, 1816, and a daughter Cécile, born at The Hague, 24th of August, 1818. After the death of Charlotte, of the six children, Amar alone survived. On the death of the author, the manuscript of the Journal d'une femme de Saint-Quentin passed into the hands of her son, Emma Marquis de La Tour du Pin, who had been born at Le Bouil the 18th of October, 1806. End of postscript. End of Recollections of the Revolution and the Empire by Henriette Lucile La Tour du Pin Gouvernet, edited, abridged, and translated by Walter Gear.